Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody hello hi jenny wow back into the swing of things it has been a mere 14 days since we've last Mm. discussed an episode of buffy the vampire Mm. slayer we've got a a quick and dirty intro for you actually it's not well it it doesn't it does include the sexual attention award dirty enough it's pretty dirty uh couple of things. One, this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, a reminder for our book club members, we will be discussing Lee Bardugo's Ninth House. Uh, that is for $5 patrons and higher. It also reminded me that I should read the book, so I'll be doing that this week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, also... Coming around the bend, April 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern, all of our patrons are invited to a concert of music played by one Jenny Owen Youngs. You're going to be playing some some hot, hot buffering jams, Jenny? Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, You can learn all about this and all of the events that we have going on at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on events. You know what else you can learn about right here and right now without clicking on anything? The winners of last episode's Sexual Attention Awards. You don't have to click because I have to scroll. Do you know how long I have to scroll every time I have to find the results of these friggin' polls? Forever. (laughs) Well, you should bookmark the episodic poll when you post it. You should bookmark the fucking episodic poll. Maybe I will. (laughs) Okay, speaking of me bookmarking things, in fourth place with a mere... Measly, pathetic, 18% of the vote. It's me and a short, thick TV guide. It's not that bad when you consider the next result. Yeah, honestly, stiff competition, if you know what I mean. Because in third place, practically unheard of with 20% of the vote, it's Buffy and Spike. So I'm almost, me and TV Guide are almost as hot and heavy as Buffy and Spike. In, then in second place, Rasa, it should be noted. Right, 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 right. In second place with 26% of the vote, she's a vengeance demon. He's a watcher. It's And neither one of them knows it. It's Rupi and Anya. Excuse me, Rupi and Anya. Thank you. And in first place, uh, what we have all been waiting for Outstiffening all the competition with 36% of the vote. It's Randy and Rupert. Hell yeah. Yeah. My emoji for that one, uh, in case you're not on Twitter, was a peach emoji followed by a hand emoji. So you're all welcome. Oh, my word. Thank you very much. I think when I brought that nomination up into the feed, Jenny, you were like, I don't know. And I was like, you just wait. <laughs> so thank you for proving me right. The internet. Uh, one <laughs> uh, one more thing before we roll into the episode. I haven't been uh, doing emails in a, in a couple of episodes because we've had so much to talk about. I've got an email to share with you today, Jenny, that I'm pretty excited about. This email is from Rosie, uh, and it it harkens back to a time in the pod not that long ago uh, when we started talking about clams. There was just a lot of... A lot of like mollusk centric conversation. I don't know if you remember sure. that time. Okay, so Rosie writes in uh, recently and says, I wanted to share with you a little known tale about eight heroic clams in Poland. Wow. 
Yeah, thank you. I couldn't even, I couldn't wait to get into another intro so I could share this email. The water quality in Warsaw is monitored by clams. If the water gets too toxic, they close. And this trigger shuts <gasps> off the city's water supply what? Automatically. The lives of millions depend on eight small clams working hard to detect contamination in the city's water supply. I'll say it again what? for effect. The lives of millions depend on these eight small clams. Is it a coincidence that the podcast eventually turned to discussing clams alongside our heroine Buffy? I think not. Wow. Polish filmmaker Julia Pelka has directed an incredible documentary called Fat Kathy about this life-saving work of clams. Anyway, I thought it was a nice connection between Buffy, hero of Sunnydale, and the eight nameless but no less important heroes of Warsaw. Wow. Jenny, Rosie sent a picture um, to us that I'm going to share with you now of one of these clams. Is it the clams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Do they have googly eyes glued onto their shells? (laughs) Oh my God, what? (laughs) Can you describe to the listeners what you're seeing? (laughs) Okay, picture a clam. It's just sitting like you would think a clam would be sitting. And then fastened atop its upper shell is a sproingy spring. (laughs) And at the end of the sproingy spring, there's sort of like a short cylinder with a little dome cap, which I guess is the sensor which when the clam fully closes, it gets very close to a rod directly under it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sending the message to shut off the water supply. No big deal. Just a fucking tale of heroic clams to usher Unbelievable. you in to this episode. The chosen clams. Yeah. Now that my soul has been nourished by this tale of eight clams who just wanted to do the right thing. <laughs> I must now transition uh, to straight-facedly, seriously, solemnly inform you that this episode contains conversations on themes of abusive relationship dynamics. So please consider yourself contentally warned. All right, let's get into this. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with Angel on top. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And hey, this week we are talking about season six, episode nine, Smashed. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song, written by us, recapping the Buffy episode that we are discussing. Smashed was written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by Tori Meyer, and originally aired on November 20th, 2001. (gasps) Wow, you're not going to be able to hold that one in. No, 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 I'm fine. Oh, yeah, you're okay? You're you're okay with that proximity to your birthday? It's it's just so close. Oh, God. No, 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 no. it's fine. It's fine. Also, is it your 21st? No, it's your 20th birthday. Okay, so (laughs) this is the one, according to TV Guide, where Spike gets a headache that renews his primal impulses. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that. When Buffy rejects his amorous 
amorous? Is that how you say that word? Amorous? Uh Amorous. Advances. Amorous. Willow reverts a former classmate to her old self. Amy doesn't even get a name in the TV guide. Rude. Jonathan. Spoilers. I mean, okay, fine. Jonathan, Warren, and Andrew pull a heist with the help of a new weapon. Wow. Wow. Tonight at eight. I don't even know if that's the time that this show aired. I should probably know that, shouldn't I? Um, this previously on has got to be second for most episodes included after After. the finale of season five, which of course had a moment from every every episode episode of the entire series. I mean, to to it, it like it hits hot with Amy. Just like there's nothing before Amy. Like you're like, wait, what? Where? Who? Uh, Hoomst among us. Oh, right, that rat that Willow has just gleefully kept in a fucking cage for seasons upon seasons. Also, we get like a clip from spike and warren back when the buffy bot was created which is like you know if you don't know what the episode's gonna be i think you're also thinking like is the buffy bot gonna come back into play like is there gonna is be... there an amy bot is there an amy bot a, a rat bot piloted by a tiny rat who has like a little cockpit <laughs> inside the skull Ooh, i hope uh and then we get the trio. remember episode. the trio like who are they we haven't Barely. seen them in what feels Oops. like years um and then, of course, a reminder that Giles has left. Fuck that. And a reminder that Spike and Buffy kissed again. Ooh. <sighs> Buffy's really into some fucking braids. It's like a it's like a marker. Like if you like emotionally track Buffy's hair, I think braids is is a very particular point in time in her journey. Mm. She's got these hmm. two two very tight braids uh, in this scene and in, in the few that follow. And she also, and if anyone wants to explain this to me, because like I am a girl with hair that is bra- had been braided, but I have never put a clip in the middle of the part on the back of my head. And, and there is just a clip in the middle of the back of her head. So please email me specifically at mm. bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com and tell me why, if you know why, why is there a clip on the back of Buffy's head for these braids? I didn't see it. I don't acknowledge it. <laughs> Do not email me about it. <laughs> Here's something we haven't seen ever or in a while. Mm-hmm. Some good old-fashioned mugging. A good old-fashioned mugging. Hey, do you think that, like, the crime... Do you think they count the crime the same? Like, demon crime and human crime in the Sunnydale crime roster? Uh, like, will this go in the same column as, like, a vampire bite uh, for, for crime? Or is it, like... Uh, or, or, like, do the Sunnydale police write good old-fashioned mugging and put, like, one dash next to that tally column? <laughs> yeah, they put that in a, a otherwise empty cavernous <laughs> filing cabinet for human crime. So this scene, this scene sets us up um, just like a reminder that Spike has a chip. You know, like we can't focus on Uh it all the time. And so these uh, human people are mugging these other human people. Spike doesn't know he comes flying over whatever fucking pile of bricks is in the alley and punches what he thinks to be demons uh, screaming out in pain, of course, because the chip is there. Buffy refers to him as Jessica Fletcher, uh, in case you're wondering who that is. Whoops. Whoops, do you not know, Jenny? Did you not look up Jessica Mm-mm. Fletcher? 
Jessica Fletcher is the name of Angela Lansbury's character in Murder, She Wrote, everyone. Oh, wow. Uh, a delightful <laughs> love wow, to have Buffy Spike refer like to Spike. Wow, Angela Lansbury really, really works for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spike, with his beautiful Spike logic, suggests that, uh, mm. you know, it's it's silly that this implanted chip doesn't let him bite criminals. And let me tell you what I would like to never be the case for a chip implanted in someone's head uh, by the government mm-hmm. to determine who counts as a criminal. Let's just avoid Ooh, hot, that. Hot, yes. Entirely. Great idea. Entirely. Great point. Solid point. Uh, yes. And this just in general, I mean, a better point than the one I had to make, but just in general, like, you know, the the idea that like, well, Spike can only bite bad people and not good people. It's it's very this whole episode. Right. Especially. And I know I know we're going to try our best to unpack so much in this episode. But the um, Buffy sort of saying to Spike, like, you are um, an evil monster. You are this. You are that. It's like we're kind of I know that they are working through things personally. But this like criminal, uh-huh. not a criminal vampire, not a vampire. This is, we're in season this six. Is just, people. This is not what, we're not. We know that no vampire is but a vampire. No criminal is but a criminal. We have great. All overall this, you're that. a evil dead thing is just classic <laughs> romant, repressed, romantic vampire <laughs> slayer shin kicking on the playground. That. <laughs> Is what's going on. <laughs> okay, so um, Spike is like, yo, there's other ways uh, to get your rocks off. <laughs> um, a lot of, yeah, a lot yeah. of innuendo in this episode. and uh, He wants to jump right to the kissing, but then takes a quick detour to being a real piece of shitsville. Yeah, yeah. You're a tease, uh, he says. And then the line, the line like... You know, th- this whole relationship is, as you may have uh, guessed, really fucking problematic in a million ways. We are going to dig into mm. it in so many ways this season. We're going to have special episodes, whatever. It's a toxic dynamic. And I think, like, it's really important to note the moment because because some of these moments are really confusing to to navigate because they are a slayer and a vampire. They both have superhuman strength. There's been metaphors in this show already with fighting and fucking. So, like, I... I I just want to like at this stage really try to point out the things that are clearly out of the relationship of vampire and slayer clearly uh, a signal of bad news and one of them Mm -hmm. is in this scene at the end when spike says to buffy you've got no one else that that is abuser that's abuser language that's abuser language and that is the moment it's not the it's you know the tease thing is fucked up we could play the patriarchy jingle but i want to save it for later the the the, you know all this there's stuff but that moment i think is is the one deserving of the most attention in this scene because it's fucked up and sometimes i wonder like how this episode would have ended if spike did not show up in that way. Like, what would have happened if Spike did not use this really horrible language toward Buffy? Like, would because because it's th- th- there is no denying that there is some attraction and connection here, right? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
But the problem right now is that Spike is manipulating Buffy's journey and Buffy's mental state to yeah. get her to where he would like her to be. And that's fucked up. And it's not that she wouldn't even necessarily get there anyway. She might. But, like, this is not the fucking way, dude. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Elsewhere in You've Got No One Land, uh, Willow checks in on Rat Amy for the first time in... Dot, dot, dot. Seriously. Who knows how long? Like, Willow, now? Like, now that Tara has left Willow, she's like, well, maybe I can find a spell. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. The unchecked power of just doing a spell to bring yourself the spell that you need to do. It's just spells all the way down, Kristen. Also, I think it's worth noting, you know, Willow's doing her little bit and she's all like, we should get you a nice companion rat that you can love and grow attached to. And then one day they can leave you for no good reason. Clearly framing that uh, Willow is still (laughs) in the mindset that Tara left for no good reason. Yeah, that's it. That's a great fucking point, actually. I missed that because I was over here busy being like, why didn't you get her a companion rat, you fucking assholes? Also that, but also then imagine if what's about to happen happened and then we all had to know, Willow especially, that she allowed uh, Amy and another rat to potentially bone. Okay, yeah, fair. How you come back from that? Yeah, you, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, She's Amy, already having a hard time. Amy is uh, in human form, not for the first time. We will note, right? There was that one hilarious moment, hilarious for everyone but Amy, uh, where she was turned back into uh, Amy and then immediately yeah. back into a rat again. But this time, a she's very here. brief moment in something blue back in season four. That was when that. Brief transformation took place. Ah, lovely, lovely. You pulled that from your little archives over there. Flip, flip, That's flip. That's right. She went through her flip, notes. Flip, 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 flip. Amy is uh, naked on the bed, and this uh, pre-credit scene ends with her screaming very loudly because Fair. she just fucking transformed from a rat to a person, uh, and she's sitting. I mean, she's going to have, listen, sorry to say it, but she's going to have some serious doily prints on her butt because that bedspread, (laughs) (laughs) that bedspread, this is where, like, Buffy was borrowing uh, Joyce's uh, pillowcase back in seasons one and two, I think, because this doily bedspread matches those doily pillowcases big time. Credits! We got some credits. And then we come back in on... One of the most unfortunate things to look, but we look back on a lot of problematic things in this show from the late 90s and early 2000s. But you know what really hurts? (laughs) Not in a, you know, cultural way, but just in a uh, we were all there and we let this happen kind of way. The backwards golf cap. (laughs) No, I did it. You did it. We all did it, and we're all ashamed. We have to live with this for the rest of our lives, this Jason Gordon-Levitt on Third Rock from the Sun shit. (laughs) Andrew is, like, rappelling from the ceiling of the Sunnydale Museum in, as Jenny has so beautifully described, a backwards golf cap. The the thing that takes his... <laughs> the thing that takes his backwards golf cap over the top, Jenny, is that he has spent at least four hours 
pulling on each... the on the whisk spikes on the bang spikes. Yeah, he, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> he spiked his little blonde bangs over the brim of the back of this hat. It is I, I, I can't. I love Andrew so much. I love him so much. He has for absolutely no reason at all done this. Uh, he wants to be. It's very you know Mission Impossible. I've never seen Mission Impossible, but that's another story for another day. Uh-huh. But I know uh-huh. that this is a play on Mission Impossible. Um, Jonathan and Warren are already in the museum and they are stealing a diamond. Um, they can't, Jonathan and Andrew can't be the ones to burn a hole in the glass and take this diamond because Jonathan is (laughs) allergic to methane and Andrew is afraid of hot things. Plus, whenever either one of them put the canister backpack on, it made them tip over. How is Warren, how is Warren the butch boy in a, in a trio? You know what I mean? He, yeah. How is he the tough guy? Well, I mean, well, I don't know that he is the tough guy. He just happens to be the heftiest of the guys. Mm. <laughs> he can support. The idea of them tipping over with the with the methane tank on their backs reminds me of like a baby Dotson. You know, like when like Dotson puppies are really little, their their heads, their, their <laughs> legs are so short that their heads sort of like will weigh the front of them down and their little back legs will go up. It's great. Uh, anyway. What? It's true. It's true. I have true. some YouTubing to do, if you'll excuse me. So, uh, Rusty, the the Rusty, the trusty guard at the Sunnydale Museum, mm. comes out and he's like, "Boys, what are you doing here?" And like, listen, some of the comedy is just it works for me. It works for for old Kristen, fucking mm. Ward being like, "We gotta freeze Ray out of here." We're part of the freeze ray group. It, like the delivery is good. The joke works for me. I like it. It is effective. It is appropriate for these goons. Mm-hmm. When Jonathan and Andrew finally get the picture, they then freeze the fuck out of Rusty. They do. He's a rust sickle. So- <laughs> sounds like Rusty's going to make it because of the hair dryers employed by the professionals at the Sunnydale Hospital later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely they're playing with life and death here. You know, they're really, uh, I don't think that anyone was super concerned about what Rusty's fate would be. Jonathan's hand is frozen to the freeze ray gun because this is a prototype. Um and we cut back to the summer's bedroom where we get we so like, twitchy. Oh my god, it's truly so great. Fucking Amy is like so prom. Like at least I've made it back for prom in time for prom. And we're like Amy. Since prom, there's been a pandemic. We've been through a lot since prom, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Willow. Willow says, I gotta, I have a few things to tell you. She says, because Amy wants to go with Larry. Remember Larry? Yes. R.I.P. Larry. Now there's a guy that some methane canister backpacks could not tip over. Seriously. He could put fucking three of those methane tanks on his back. He could put the whole trio on his back and not tip (laughs) over. With their methane tank. Uh, Larry is gay. Larry is dead. And high school is kind of over. Um, so Amy has a lot to adjust to. Yeah. And also worth noting that as she's sitting and twitching and whatnot, uh, she's doing some very like, uh, reflex based magic, closing the window when there's a loud noise outside, uh, closing the curtains with the, the, just the flick of a wrist, which makes me wonder, like, 
what's been going on for the last couple years while she's been a rat? Has she just been powering up in some way, but unable to, you know, like, it's like compound interest. Is there compounding interest on magical ability, especially if it goes unused? Mm -hmm. Are you just... Once you open that can of worms, does that can of worms just keep multiplying and getting stronger? Some yeah. strong worms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. And like, why couldn't she? Like, are there magic rats? Another question. You know what I mean? Are can rats do spells? Apparently not, Amy. But like, why? Is it? Is the is the size of the cells in your being? Do rats have cells that are smaller than human cells? I gotta go. <laughs> Well, I'm going to guess that it has more to do with um, Oh, my God. Hand if you can see the way that, that Jenny just moved her I'm just hands. doing my magic hands. <laughs> this is a, yet another uh, yet another variation on a theme. You've got jazz hands. You've got spirit <laughs> fingers. You've got swivel mittens. And then you've got magic hands. Magic yeah. hands kind of move in a very fluid sort of figure eight, horizontal infinity sign kind of deal. Just trust me. Moving back to the bedroom. Willow, Willow's bedroom, I guess, now, since Tara is gone. Buffy comes in. Amy is in the bathroom. Uh, she doesn't know that, of course. Buffy is sits down and is about to tell Willow about what's been going on with Spike. Oh, if it were to have happened. Oh, if communication were to have happened, where would this show go? Get if, these people into therapy and I then mean, let them talk to each other and we wouldn't have a show anymore. Like if Buffy and Willow could have just had this conversation, you know, just fucking as Latoya would say, write it in your Shanshu prophecies. Yeah. <laughs> this is how, for the record, this is how I ap- approach a difficult conversation from as far away as possible. Uh. You know how we all make choices of varying quality. In the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> God or whomstever created the earth. This is Jenny confessing her. This is literally how you approach talking about your feelings. It truly is. Yeah, it is. And so I respect Buffy's approach here. It's hard. You got to just work up your momentum. You know, you got to get there in your own time. And it's tough. But there's no time for that right now because in sweeps Amy. In sweeps Amy. And uh, let's let's bring in our first sound clip here because this might be one of the best exchanges of the series, in my opinion. <laughs> Amy? The whole school? By a giant snake thing. You still adjusting? Hi, Buffy. Hi. How have you been? Rat. You? Dead. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's a good sum. It's a good summary. You know, they both are succinct, uh, clearly explaining what yep. they have been up to. And Amy wants some cookies. <sighs> yes. She does. She's got her priorities straight. She's got to sleep on the couch. Willow, after she, after Amy leaves the room. Willow tells Buffy, it's nice having another magically inclined friend around. Mm-hmm. Ah! Can you explain your scream? Just like everyone's, to- well, Buffy in particular, like Buffy's deep unawareness of what is going on, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. she is 
understandably consumed with, you know, having recently been returned, ripped out of heaven and returned to the mortal plane mm-hmm. and also feeling a hot, sweaty attraction to an <laughs> evil dead thing. Um, I get it. I get it. But this is kind of Buffy's thing. She is pretty consistently consumed with her own shit and missing other people's stuff. And I think what we see through this episode is her making excuses yes. in her mind for Willow because, because of her own experience, because she wants to make those excuses for herself. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. So when Willow says it's nice having another magically inclined friend around and that doesn't set off one single alarm for Buffy, it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, Buffy. totally. I also, to the point of like her being, you know, ripped out of heaven and what have you, I thought it was really interesting that Buffy was like, is she going to be okay about Amy? And like Willow was like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm like, does it. <laughs> perhaps okay we don't want to talk about this okay um so down to the living room buffy goes amy is eating what what really do look to be incredible cookies they look delicious they look incredible there's so many i mean she has so many on that cheese it sounds like in a long time buffy and, and amy are running down some things that are different since she was a rat and buffy mentions that there is a new Gatorade flavor, which she identifies as blue. I did a little. Oh my god, I did research Gatorade too. research. God damn it! I was gonna quiz you. <laughs> okay, I would actually love because I didn't get definitive answers that lined up with this timeline. I would love it, to take your quiz right now. Okay, okay, okay. So first of all, first of all, uh, before we get Jenny and I are gonna do Gatorade deep dive. Uh, looks like we both okay. we both knew what in this episode required research, and it was That's blue right. fucking Gatorade. But I do wanna, right. I do want to point out that um, the first thing that Amy says to Buffy is, "I'm sorry about your mom," which I think is just oh, like yeah. really like they don't go right into this like jokes about you know Tom and Nicole and 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 Gatorade and stuff. You know, like there is this moment of like there was a loss here like a a very serious loss which I really love okay so first of all my first question about Gatorade Jenny is do you know Mm -hmm. when Gatorade hit the scene like when it was invented you may have found this out in your research which is bumming me out but Uh, I skipped ahead on the Wikipedia article past like all the origin story stuff but if I I think I remember uh Floridian college team the Gators of somewhere Mm -hmm. uh their mix their team mixologist <laughs> came up with something uh-huh. uh, a combination of water sugar and salt to replace the electrolytes that are being uh, sweated out and do you, in a do you average have game of like football. A, how did i do uh, no you did pretty good i didn't even know uh, all the uh, chemical details there that you just listed but i i wonder mm. like uh, in in the timeline in history where mm. you think this was okay i'm picturing Men wearing pants that go like all the way up to the bottom of their rib cage. So I'm going to say 50s. Okay. Well, how did I do? Uh, I'm, I'm curious of how you did on pants going up to the rib cage in the 50s because I thought that would be the 70s. But uh, but it, it was this. No, not bell bottoms going all the way up. Just like, you know, <laughs> men wearing like t- t- high waisted pants and short top. Okay. Jenny and I gonna do uh, a special bonus podcast where we talk about men's pants and gatorade uh 1966 is when gatorade hit the scene all right now all right you are correct about conflicting information i found three a minimum of three blue gatorade flavors um okay 
And I found I, the first thing that I read said that 2001 was when Frost High Tide hit the scene. It was blue. But then, no. Uh, 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 1997 Correct. Arctic Frost. G- yes. Glacier Freeze, I believe, is what I saw. Mm. This is what oh, I'm saying. Wait, am I thinking of Alpine Frost? You are. It's. I think it's Glacier Freeze 97 is the first blue Gatorade, which still kind of works on that. Well, no, because... Yeah, it still works on the timeline. No, because, because she was she was gone. Mm, she gingerbread is ninety nine, <gasps> so she was turned into a rat in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so yeah, so there was already blue Gatorade as of ninety seven, but this two thousand and one thing is weird. And then cool blue, which is the blue Gatorade that I think a lot of people know about, that didn't come out until according to this one article, two thousand three. It wasn't even cool blue. Isn't even in the Wikipedia. It's not even in the Wikipedia. So right now you can get Cool Blue and Glacier Freeze. Those flavors are available for purchase. Frost High Tide is this 2001 thing that I saw in an article. It's not in the wiki. Listen, just somebody go to your local library, get out the microfiche. You know what I mean? This is going to require some detective work. I would like a full report on my desk by morning. (laughs) History of Blue Gatorade, (laughs) go. (laughs) All right, well... At least we know, Jenny, that, you know, like as two hosts of a mm-hmm. podcast, we hold um, respect for great power and great responsibility. And yeah, we know we know what requires our skills. So anyway, you know what's you know, what's really been grinding my gears lately. <laughs> what people on television getting a call to turn on the news, alerting them that something pertinent to their interests is about to be on. You know what I mean? I realize that's not exactly what's going on here. Amy is saying, yeah, someone got frozen. It's one of the many things I've taken in while I've been sitting here watching TV. And as it so happens, they're about to repeat what I've already taken in right now, just as this happens to come up in conversation. (laughs) It's more egregious when someone calls Coach Taylor and is like, Coach Taylor, you got to turn on Fucking wow. Dylan Seven. Coach Taylor. Uh, you rewatching Friday Night And then <laughs> Coach Taylor turns on the TV and he's it's like, whoa, we hear got these reports that Coach Taylor is considering an offer from uh <laughs> Southern California State. And Coach Taylor's like, How did you know that was about to happen? So what they're just re- every news story is like, I'm gonna say this now and then I'm gonna say it again in forty five seconds. Well, so call whoever you need to n- let know about it. I mean to be fair, having watched the news occasionally, they do repeat things, you know, like it's not like it's not like. A, 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 OK, well, needless <laughs> to say, they're very interested in the frozen man at the museum because not only does yes. Buffy see that frozen man on the news, but she has time enough to get to the museum with the news crew still there reporting. He hasn't even been wheeled out of the. Yeah, hasn't even been yeah. removed yet. How are you gonna how are you gonna wheel out this man, this frozen man on a dolly in front of everyone? Also, like, does anyone know about uh, what happens to a frozen man if he falls off that dolly? That's it for him. Also, you're gonna tell me that this museum doesn't have a loading dock in the back with Thank like you. a ramp? Agree. Come on Agree. now. Agree. Come on. He should be strapped to that fucking dolly at the very least, and he should be going out the back door. Let uh, we need to go to Sunnydale and advise the, the media and the uh, paramedics on we can how help. to handle things. Um. So Spike, Spike's on the scene. Uh, <gasps> Buffy. Detective Spike. <laughs> 
like he's there with his magnifying glass and his little notepad. <laughs> His trench coat. Like he like we are to believe that he is there just because he thinks Buffy is gonna be there. It is weird that he's there. Because why? Classic spike. A, a little Yo, compassion. You have a crush on somebody and you're a creep, you go to where you think they're gonna be. True, true. Just hang about. So Buffy uh takes what is probably a healthy step in communication. She because because up till now she's just been like, I'm not talking about it. Right. Which like technically is also not like a healthy response. Like this thing happened. And the adult mature grown up thing to do is to have a conversation about like why it happened, what you want, et cetera. So she does that. Right. I'm sorry if you thought that the kiss meant more. Um, <laughs> she unfortunately phrases it that when she kissed Spike, she was thinking of Giles, um, <laughs> giving us all a moment of, huh? Um, but she, she goes on to explain, you know, Giles left. I was depressed. I was vulnerable. And in that spot, you make bad kissing decisions. And I made a bad decision. And like, that's what it was. Now, we all know, perhaps there's more going on here. We'll talk about it. But I just want to give Buffy some credit for like maturely discussing and spike gets another demerit because he says did you convince yourself that that's what this is and like here's the thing even if spike believes there to be something else going on that is not what you say to the girl who just explained to you what she needs what she wants and why she did what she did no thank you sir Clearly, the only path open uh, to them is to exchange punches. Yeah. Uh, well, and Buffy goes for the jugular, so to speak. You're not a man. You're a thing. Uh, she knows uh-huh. what is going to, you know, hurt Spike. Uh, and that that does. And he grabs her. Not cool. She hits him. He hits her. Realizing, holy fuck, that didn't hurt me. Da, da, da. So... What can Spike do but, of course, immediately locate a human woman to terrorize and monologue at? Well, but it should be noted that Spike fakes a scream. Like, Buffy does not realize in this moment that it hasn't hurt him. He he has the wherewithal to be like, uh, let me just see what's going on here before I give up the goods. Uh, and uh-huh. yes, then, uh, as he says, he's uh, looking at the goodies. Uh, so he's just like twirling his mustache and he's all like, <laughs> ma, 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 I'm going to eat you. And, and uh, it'll show her. And now things are different. And uh, uh, here we go. I smell fear. <laughs> <laughs> it smells good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just some oh. A plus writing. Um, yeah, so he goes in for the slurp. But the chomp? Yeah, yeah, a little chomp and slurp. But alas, here comes some shrieking, and it's not this mortal woman's. It is the neurological pain-induced shrieking of one William the Bloody, quote, Spike, end quote. We don't know his last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and before he attempts this chomp, He has this, like, classic villain moment uh, where he's, like, working through his psychological stuff with his uh, potential victim, you know? Just because she's confused doesn't mean I'm confused. I know what I Mm -hmm. am. I'm dangerous. I'm evil. And I point that out because I I do think it's interesting that one of the things they're setting us up with, uh, and they have set us up with, is that Buffy and Spike really occupy 
similar spaces in some ways. And this is it. This is like the biggest way, right? Spike is a vampire. He feels his his nature is supposed to be evil. He's supposed to be killing people. He's whatever. He has a chip in his head. He can't do that. And he's fallen in love with the Slayer. And he has feelings for her. And as we see in this episode, even if he could kill her, he sure the fuck isn't going to kill her. So he's like, I don't understand. Like, I'm supposed to be evil, but I don't feel evil. And it's not, it seems like it's past just the chip, right? And on the flip side, Buffy is like, I'm the Slayer. I'm supposed to be good. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be whatever. But she's not feeling those things. She's feeling attracted to Spike. And she's feeling unmotivated and she's feeling like she doesn't want to fucking do this shit and what is the point of life and so they're both in this place where like their image of who they thought they were isn't reconciling with who they are right now uh, and they're both confused and Spike is trying to pretend like he's not in this moment but I just think that it illustrates that really nicely mm-hmm mm-hmm you want to have a milkshake? No, I want to <laughs> fast forward through this scene. <laughs> oh, I know it's, but it, this is important though, Tara and Don. I mean, well, why do you want to fast forward through the scene, Jenny? Just because you don't like milkshakes? I just, I don't know if it's the performances or the writing. It like it just feels like uh, a swing and a miss to me. Like I understand why it's there, and I think there's just something lost in the execution where this scene just like really lands with a, a clank yeah. to me. It's almost like the writers have an easier time writing unhealthy dialogue than they do writing healthy Hell dialogue. yeah. Oh, this is the equivalent of trying to write a happy song. I see what's going on here. <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's what this is. It's like Tara is the only character that we see who is making an effort to be present in ways that are healthy. She's Dude. taken Dawn out. She's saying that she loves her. She didn't leave because of anything having to do with Dawn. These are like these are the things that people should be saying to Dawn and each other and no one is. And I agree with you. It, it doesn't it like almost feels like this weird off scene. And I think it's because um, yeah, I think it's because of what what we were just saying that like it's easier to write conflict for many people than it is to write the opposite of that. And I, I think that that's less and less the case. Um, but I think that where we were in this time period and in a show like this, that was hinging at, at the, especially at this point on like spike and Buffy fucking a house down. They wanted to get through this scene and move along is what it feels like. So let's. Yeah. Um, just want to, just want to point out really quickly that Don tells Tara that Willow mm. has been really good about being careful about stuff. Yeah. Which feels like a very long way of not saying anything at all. Yeah. 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 Well, right. I mean, I think it's it's just really indicating that Dawn knows what the issue is, but Dawn doesn't know that the that the solution lies outside of just bringing Tara back. You know, she just wants to put that mm -hmm. bandaid over it. And I mean, that's what Willow wants, too. So you can't really fault Dawn for it. Um all right. First of all, why the fuck is Giles taking a goddamn text that they need overseas because he owns it? What, what's this man doing? What's he what's he fucking doing? You know, what I mean, he didn't need to leave in the first place. Now he's taking books with him. <laughs> well, just to be fair, it was his book. What As does Anya... he need the book for? They're on the hell now. Whoa. What's he doing over there? Right. What is An he independent doing? study. Uh, independent Maybe. study. Maybe Olivia really wanted to like read the book aloud to him. Maybe it was their special uh, book together. Uh, boy, boy, boy. 
Speaking of landing with a thud. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here comes the world's history's <laughs> thickest laptop. Kachunk. I have this laptop and it is that heavy. It's just fucking yeah. like a white brick. Um, yeah. They think that she's going to use the computer. Uh, she does, but she uses it by channeling magic through it to absorb Yeek. information about what's going on. Anya has a great quip. <laughs> when they find out that there's a diamond that's been stolen, Anya says, diamonds are excellent at cursing, which I thought <laughs> special. Hell yeah. Given her history. File that away for future use. Uh, yeah. And, and given her history as a vengeance demon, then, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's good. It's good. Um. Okay, so they're all, like, walking on eggshells around Willow's use of magic, except for Anya, who says... Oh, for crying out loud, this is bizarre. You're all la-la-la with, with the magic and the not talking like everything's normal when we all know that Tara up and left you and now everyone's scared to say anything to you. Except me. Is this that thing I do that you were commenting <laughs> I scream. <laughs> Is this a thing I do that you were commenting on? <laughs> that delivery so sick. Oh, it makes me standing wish, ovation. It makes me wish and want for a scene between Anya and Cordelia now, like right now, like in the timeline now. Can they hang out and have like a glass of rose together? Like, give it to oh my me. god, please, please. Uh, you know, I think that Anya just earned herself her fucking jingle. I'll tell you what. She spent one millennium demonically vengeance in. Speaks her mind and then some You know she's partial to the finer things And down with double boyfriends, oh yeah Exchanging cash for goods and also services She'd love to hold the money for ya She'll hold that cash Just keep the funnies far from Anya Well, um... Great. Good job, Anya. Um, Willow makes a really unfortunate comment about uh, Amy, uh, always thinking about Amy doing rat things while she's alone, perhaps leaving, she says, little pellets in the corner. Guys. Let's go to the lair. Let's See, go to the trees. Speaking of pellets wait, wait, in the corner. Wait, <laughs> before we go, gross. Before we do that, it's important, I think, to point out one more time that Willow's response to what Anya yeah. says... Uh, just a little, a little bit from the Willow Rosenberg spin room. Uh, you know, there were just like little things that we saw differently that got blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, Willow. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. All right, so to the lair we go. I've decided to call their lair a lair. They call it a lair, so fine. It's a basement, but we'll, we'll call it a lair. <laughs> Size is everything, (laughs) says Warren, uh, looking uh, adoringly at this diamond. And before they can get too wrapped up in the beauty that is this diamond that they've stolen, Spike busts the fuck on in. Ding dong, it's Spike. (laughs) How can he get in here? Has he been in here before? He's been here before. Warren's mom let him in previously when he brought his little (laughs) Buffy bot order. Right. I forgot it was the basement of that house. Correct. Okay. Mm. So Spike is like, Warren, look at my fucking chip. And they're like, no. And then he picks up Boba Fett (laughs) of the figurine. I mean, you got to hand it. Well, like Spike deserves credit here. Like he's very adaptable. You know, he knows that certain threats are better on certain people. Listen, the way that he 
backs Warren up and like <laughs> leans over him with his like uh, arm up. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, I, yeah, I, I think it speaks for itself. Uh, I think it speaks for itself, too. And I think it further to it, the scene that happens when Warren is examining Spike's head. You know what I mean? There's just a these two guys, mm, you know, an intimacy. They could get up to some stuff is, is all I'm oh. saying. And I think you're saying it as well. I think, you know, I think. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew's like. I think that's Spike, <laughs> which just killed me <laughs> for a while. Like, I'm like, is there like a room? Was there a rumor around Sunnydale High about Spike? Like, what? where did he get his knowledge of Spike from? Well, he did come to like parent teacher night that one time. That's <laughs> true. Oh, when Joyce had the axe. Okay. Um, yes. He, uh, Warren, poor logic here thinking, well, Spike will owe us one if I help him with the chip, dude. And Spike oh, says it himself. Oh, Warren, you sweet summer child. Yeah, like, no, dude. That's Spike has never considered himself to owe anyone anything. Except the loan shark. He will pay back the loan shark, the 40 signs well, kittens. kittens are different. Yeah. Kittens are their own story. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Andrew gets Boba Fett back and is like, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Good <laughs> Lord. Help. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hello, my name is Alison Larkin, and I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of the Jane Austen podcast. This podcast brings Jane Austen's stories to the 21st century, along with commentary from me and conversations with fascinating people who all share a love of Jane Austen. And of course, we had to start with none other than Pride and Prejudice. So join me as we embark on a journey through some of the most wonderful stories I know. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Amy wants to go out... Uh, using shitty tactics right from the jump, to be honest. Like, what do you want to stay at home like you did when you were in high school? With Amy, Jesus. Rude! (laughs) (laughs) Why are you being mean to Willow right now? Like, just ask her if she wants to go out. She didn't even say no. (laughs) Anyway, but but I think it's important. Like, I think it's it's there to illustrate, right, that Willow does not want to be that girl. She wants to be a new version of herself. And she's sort of realizing in this moment, I have no one to answer to now, you know, that which is, you know, dangerous in many ways. Cut to Andrew telling Spike that he's seen every episode of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) And Spike is like, Warren! (laughs) 
you're English, right? <laughs> I just want you to know, since you're English, I should tell you that, uh, yeah. Um, now, who knows? Who the fuck knows why or how Warren should have any conception of, like, how this chip is designed to work? Also, I can't imagine Spike wanting to be like, hey, so this chip in my head prevents me from hurting humans. And now you know that I can't hurt you. And now you'll be less inclined to do whatever I say in the future. Yeah. And this is where we get the sexy scan. Warren Warren, Warren says to Spike, it's pulsing... (laughs) Wow, I didn't even mean to get extra sexy, but he, said, he does say to Spike, mm. it's pulsing at a regular interval, which it's supposed to do. Um, Warren, I guess his his robotics, his robotics instruction uh, has also taught him a bit about governmental devices and how they work. But I guess, you know, I guess. I guess. So, yeah, we'll just buy this. We'll it's buy fine. It. The point is Spike has enough. To sweep out of the basement and say, <laughs> nothing wrong with me, something wrong with her. <laughs> <laughs> I did write that down in my notes, so I'm glad that we got a dramatic rendition of it from you. Well, Tara decides to stay with Dawn because no one is home. The 16-year-old, the 16-year-old can't be home alone. I mean, uh, Dawn lays it on thick. Boy, it sure is getting darker. Oh, it sure is getting dark early. early these days. Yeah. Um, so Tara stays with her. I would have stayed with her too. Let's be real. Uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. hey, just a fucking queer lady playing magic pool at the bronze. <laughs> I just love, I, I will say that I love, as you know what, call it a stereotype, call it the truth. Queer women play a lot of fucking pool, and I'm horrible at it, just FYI. I wish I had that magic skill ability. Uh, but I love that Willow and Amy are playing pool together and not just like sitting uh-huh. and having a drink and talking. I like that they've been given an activity. Does, does billiards, since it has two L's in the middle, count as does that count L-word? as having one L at the beginning, which would then make it an L word? Bill is billiards an L word? Yes, yes. Official ruling. Okay. Yes, billiards is an cool. L word. Thank you. You're welcome. Living, laughing, billiards, loving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some dudes roll up, and they're like, "We want to dance." Uh, and Amy does because she's been a rat for a few years. So yeah. She's psyched to not have to this gnaw seems good. shit, you know? She's, I mean, maybe she does want to gnaw on these boys, but it would probably look a little bit different. And Will is like, no thanks. And then Amy's like, oh, want something a little more your style? And she beckons Oof. magically. Oof. And the uh, Marina from the L Words stunt double <laughs> sweeps this on over. Disagree you know when television is like, if we put two incredibly straight-looking, femme-presenting women who clearly look like they have never looked in a desirous fashion at another woman or wondered what it might be like to kiss those soft, soft lips ever. But if we just point them at each other, that looks pretty gay, right? <laughs> okay. So that's what's going on here. And of, then uh, one of them... <laughs> I have a lot of feedback mm-hmm. here. First of all, I don't think this girl looks anything like Marina. Uh, though, oh. I do think if she left a, vo- a voice message on a voicemail box, she would say... <laughs> Hello, Willow. It's me, Bree. 
anyway, um, so that's actually further to my second point, which is that this girl's name is Brie. Uh, and I just, it reminded me that one of the lists, one of the things on Cordelia's list back in the library that she hated was Brie. And we thought it was cheese. It's probably this girl. She probably hated this girl. Oh, yeah. This is the girl. Yeah. Cordelia hates this bitch. <laughs> right? This is like totally a girl that Cordelia would hate. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and then my third point. To Not s- because she's, in quotes, gay. Well, she's not but rather gay. she's been made magically gay well no but she's clearly there with that other girl oh is because they are oh they are staring God. into yeah. each other's eyes i know you couldn't even tell because I it was c- so not right that's what you were saying that whole time i had no idea that they are there that was done so poorly that i just thought they were two literal gal pals and it's like Look, I hate to bring porn into it, <laughs> but have you ever seen porn where there are two yeah. ladies yeah. Uh, engaging in some long taloned, uh, <laughs> devoid of passion sort of like long sexual t- interaction? <laughs> long talent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just. I just... I see. Well, you know, I did make a note. There's a very specific look. Uh, yes, okay, okay, When okay. straight women are doing gay stuff together I see, I for see. financial or directorial reasons. I, I, I now understand. I'm so glad that we've journeyed through this all together uh, because I wasn't even following and now I am fully following. And I even made a note that because I laughed at the end of the scene when she goes back to the girl and the girl was like, what was that all about? Uh, yeah, she's like, what was that all about? My lesbian date who I or possibly bisexual do you think or possibly pansexual. Lover, Cindy, is this a podcast about yes. the L word now? Okay, so the the serious thing about this scene that deserves pointing out is this is fucked up. I mean, it it winds up being cut off at the pass because Willow's like, I'm not, I don't, this is not what I want. But Amy has very non-consensually activated mm-hmm. this woman to go over and <laughs> activated is a great word. <laughs> right? Her eyes glow <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> so it's fucked up. It, it goes into the bin with many of the fucked up um, boundary crossing, consent breaking things that have happened via magic. Uh, that we talked about a little bit two weeks ago with Natalie and that we're going to get into in in much more detail uh, in a couple of weeks. Anyway, my God. Great news. Great news for Kristen. Willow's drinking a martini with a pimento stuffed (laughs) olive, meaning somebody's tapery fingers got in there to fucking (laughs) jam it in. Oh, my God. Instantly negating the fake gay stuff (laughs) from the previous moment and making me feel very gay. Long talons need not apply to remove this pimento from an olive. Correct. So yeah, uh, Willow is drinking a martini, which I'm into. I do like that she's drinking a martini. And um, I, I like listen. This episode, I have a lot to say, so I'm not I'm not concerned about you. If this is too long for you, you just go ahead, go find somebody else who can do this many L word references in a short span of time because you won't find oh, that God. person. Help. Um, this is not an L word reference. This is just a conversation on the music that's playing. This is a band called Virgil. 
Um, they will be later morphed into a band called Halo Friendlies, uh, but that's another story for later. But this band, Virgil, they're singing, um, I'm getting caught in the corners of her vermilion borders. Do you know what the word vermilion means? You're smart. I have uh, it's it a deep red, I believe. Uh, yeah, who knew? Um, but I just want to say that the lyric cuts off because they go on to say, she's ugly when she's insecure. That's where it cuts off in the show. The next lyric of the song is, that makes her, that's what makes her beautiful. Beautiful. Just so you know, uh, that Great. that is, that, that sentiment, uh, being insecure as a woman makes you beautiful. Uh, makes you beautiful. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so actually here, let's play the fucking patriarchy jingle there. The patriarchy. We play that in a perfect place because we come right out of that into a big heaping scoop of the fucking patriarchy, don't we? What happens? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Amy comes off the dance floor and the boys trail her and they're like, oh, you got to keep dancing. And she's like, I'm good. And they're like, you can't just get us all worked up like that running theme in this episode women aren't allowed to in quotes get men all worked up yeah and then not dot 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 and willow's like hey man she said she's chilling for now and blonde douche says are you ready it's 2001 buckle up blonde douche says nobody asked you ellen (laughs) 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 the only lesbian anyone had ever heard of in 2001 Oh God! So obviously this guy sucks. Yeah, these but guys. It is what a what a what a position to be in to be able to look back on uh, severely dated. Yeah. Uh, this whatever this is uh, and laugh. Yeah. So they take a little. They get a little revenge fantasy situation in here, which has its own issues. Uh, the men are uh, sent to cages where they dance. Uh, very scantily clad after their sins. As they're wearing like panties with streamers on them or yeah. something. This is sort of like hocus pocus gone sexy. It's like when they put those two shitty boys, like when the witches put the two sexy. Sh- uh, yeah, sexy and hard, hard quotes. But like, oh yeah, one of whom is Larry. One of the two boys that goes into yes. those cages is Larry from Buffy. Wow, I don't know what circle we just closed. But you're all welcome. So anyway, these dudes are dancing in cages. Again, the magic, the magic is going to go just off the fucking rails at this point. Um, This is not, this is not the way to do it, uh, everyone. But let's go to the magic box while Amy and Willow continue their little rampage of the bronze. <clears throat> Xander's looking at a D&D manual. See if he can find this frost okay, monster let me just who tell eats you, diamonds. Let me tell you, I'm sure there's copyright issues or whatever, but... That is not a D and D manual. Oh wow! Well, you heard it here, folks, from D and D expert Jenny Oh, uh, I'm going to take your word on it because no one has Thank ever you. decided to teach me how to play Dungeons and Dragons. I <laughs> so I never got to learn that game, and I don't know what a manual looks like because no one taught me. <laughs> okay, so Buffy. <laughs> Buffy is, as we have mentioned before, not concerned about Willow until Anya says uh, responsible people are so concerned with being good that when they finally get a taste of being bad, they can't 
get enough. Buffy flashes back to the middle of season three, thinking to herself, <laughs> I once got a taste of being bad and then some. I was once handcuffed to someone who was bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is like a messy, uh, th- this comparison between Buffy's choices and Willow's choices is muddy at this point and and I like I just want to call that out I think I think that what Anya is saying here is not accurate like Anya has basically said when good people get a taste of being bad they go all kablooey um which like harkens to mind like you know the the kids who came to college and they had never had a sip of alcohol would often like definitely black out a lot quicker than those of us who had been steadily drinking since before we got to college Mm -hmm. but that is not what's happening to willow that's not i don't think that that really underlines what's happening to willow what's happened to willow is that willow has suffered massive trauma and doesn't have the tools to manage that so i just want to say that and i also think that that's what's happening with buffy but i think it's messy to compare apples to apples but what Buffy is doing to what Willow is doing, because it's not there. These are not two apples. They have. Hey, we're not comparing. Buffy's comparing. It, uh, right. Buffy. Well, and yeah, Buffy is right. And I think it's I, right. Buffy's all, show, well, uh, sh- well, we can't assume everybody's getting all seduced all the time. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sure people are just minding their own business being chill. Yeah. And Xander, you know, you, Credit to Xander in this scene as well. Like, Tara thinks Willow is doing too much magic and she's not the only one. Xander, who has really experienced firsthand um, addiction and substance abuse in his own household. And, and like, Buffy. Buffy's just too wrapped up in the, in the spike of it all to see this. Speaking of the spike of it all. Bring, ring, ring. Bring, ring. <laughs> Slayer. <laughs> Do you think that Spike has like a pile of quarters at home that he uses to call people from the payphone <laughs> with? Like what? <laughs> no, I think he has a slug that he like slides in. Oh, nice. Makes his call and then pulls, pulls it out. Pulls it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Meet me at the cemetery. Like meet me at the meet me behind the school at two p.m. Uh, good lord. He's really putting on the villain face a little too hard because he doesn't know what the fuck to do with this thing. And he knows he, like he he wants to pretend like he's Spike of yesteryear who's just going to like trick the Slayer and kill her. But he fucking knows he's not going to do that. Uh, Buffy's like, Spike, you're <clears throat> calling me on the phone? <laughs> Honestly, how did you get this number? Well, we know that the magic box placed a, a giant ad in the yellow pages. Oh, that's true. So, um, okay. So they go, they leave the magic box. Buffy's done a poor job of lying, but nobody's really paying attention. And they sort of have this like moment of reflection on this doesn't seem like monster work that's been happening lately in Sunnydale. And um, they say their goodbyes and Spike is boom, right behind Buffy. What are you going to do? Walk behind me to death? She says. Uh, very interesting that Spike has changed since earlier in the episode. Oh, he is now wearing duster. his confront your nemesis slash love interest and inform her that she came back from heaven incorrectly mm. slash less human, mm. which which always calls for a blue button up, as we all know, or purple. Purplish sort of hard blue, to tell yeah, it's light. a bright, bright color, a very 
very bright color. Uh, you came back wrong, he says. He's revealing to her what we found out earlier, which is that he can not hurt anyone. He can only hurt Buffy. And uh, he, he has a nice, I will give him a little bit of melodrama credit when he says, oh, the pain, the pain is gone. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. Um, but smells the, like fear. <laughs> but the It smells good. <laughs> the seriousness of this scene though is that he is telling Buffy that she came back a little less human than she once was. And so the chip doesn't register her um, on its grid Dude. as human, which pretty is- pretty weird. Pretty weird. Pretty weird. Pretty complicated. And definitely, like, not a thing to add to Buffy's roster of trauma, right? She's already not feeling like herself. So to be told that a, like, machine chip thing recognizes that she is, in fact, not herself is uh-huh. pretty fucked up. And she's she's upset about it. And she says, you're wrong. Um, do a quick, quick cut back to the bronze where <laughs> Willow's like, I would prefer to watch Josie and the Pussycats. Thank you. There we go. Right? Don't worry. The singer is in the rock squad. <laughs> <laughs> it sure was a different time. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, they're doing all these like things with magic, uh, like making one man tall and one man short and making one oh, man fly in an angel sheep. costume and then sheep come to the bra. Like, it just seems like this is just not. Choice. Can you imagine being like, you know what would be cool <laughs> if we did all sh- this stuff with our unlimited power? You know what we need? Some fucking sheep in this place. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um,. Buffy and Spike are fighting both using their fists and using their words. She's telling him, you can't be a vampire. You can't be a man. You can just make moon eyes at me. I'm the fucking slayer. Like, what is your deal, man? Mm -hmm. He (laughs) comes back with the cutting jab of, I'm in love with you. (laughs) 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 Yikes. She's like, you enjoy the pain of it all. And he really kind of takes that blow and is like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm a fucking vampire. What's your excuse? Like, yeah, Uh you're right. Everything you're saying is right. And I am an actual vampire. So, like, what's the deal with you? And they fight. And they fight. And they fight. And now I think it's important at this point in the conversation, Jenny, to point out that uh, Buffy is wearing a, we'll call it pleather, Maybe she splurged in its leather. It is either pleather or leather. And it goes from her waist to the floor or pretty close to it, uh, this skirt. Um, you know, no reason that uh-huh. I want to mention that. I just, you know, I just thought, like, we, we haven't talked about what she's wearing. So, mm. mm-hmm. um, and they've they've fought their way into um, a rickety house. We'll give it that. It did start oh, rickety. Yeah. It started shaky. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And they're fighting. And, um... Buffy is throwing Spike up against a fireplace or what used to be a fireplace. She's she's knocking pieces of drywall off of this house with Spike's body. And uh-huh. then what happens? What happens, Kristen? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. In a little segment I like to call <laughs> 1080p HGTV, they fuck this house 
right down. Goodbye, crown molding. Wow. Goodbye, hardwood floors. Goodbye, hand-bricked fireplace. It's all going down. No inch of this house can withstand the power of their fucktitude. Here they go. Nothing can stop them. What is this Enya-ass music cue I'm sorry. for the moment we've all been I'm waiting just, for? I know you have more to say, but I'm going to take me and the listeners back to when you said 1080p HGTV because That's I didn't, right. I had not been given advance notice of the segment. Well, I, listen, they're assessing the this house has great bones, but let's just n- fuck through this wall between the dining okay. room and the living room okay. and do something that's more of an open concept. Okay, great, great. So, so the 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 philosophy, the the sort of um, cornerstone of this show is we find a house that we'd like to renovate. And uh-huh. we fuck down the walls we don't want. Which is most of them because HGTV only cares about open concepts. Okay, okay. So so the the okay, so and is it is it always is it always Spike and Buffy fucking the walls down in this uh, uh, 1080p HGTV show? Well, what I've noticed about HGTV shows is that, you know, whomst ever is overseeing or, you know, whoever is the director of this episode of HGTV in 1080p uh, (laughs) is they generally have like their drywall guy and their like woodwork guy and their mason. They have their regulars that they go to. So I'm going to say that they'll probably go to Buffy and Spike demolition crew regularly. Mm -hmm. Of course, Sometimes a contractor is is booked solid. Right. Sometimes a contractor is out of town or right. on vacation. Right, so right. I'm sure they'll have okay. to contract other people to fuck the walls down <laughs> on occasion. But I think mostly it'll be Buffy and Spike. And then of course these these demolitions are going to have to take place at night. Do you think do you think that um that they would have fucked this house down if Buffy had not been wearing a ankle length plaid? Like do you think part of the do you think it was just passion or do you think it was like passion plus trying to have sex through a pleather skirt? Like, like what was that a part of things? Uh, define through. Because well, as I, I understand just... it, skirts just go right up. Is, but is, is that is like has Spike has Spike or Buffy pulled the whole skirt up? I mean, it's similar questions that I had, I honestly, think... in the uh, Ren Fair dress. It's a lot of skirt. I think that in television wardrobe comes first uh-huh. and any and all sex related maneuvering or physics comes second okay yes you're right you know before okay, i have a lot to say uh, well i have a medium amount to say but since we're just unveiled our new 1080p hgtv segment it does seem like a great time to roll on over to the sexual tension it's possible that the sexual tension will knock down a house in this episode that's right. Here we are once again. Oh, it always comes back. There's so much rubble all around. So much, so oh, many piles of drywall. Claw your way through the stray bricks. Let the mortar dust settle and gather round, children, as I reveal unto thee <laughs> some slots. And some noms mm. therein. Mm-hmm. Here we go. In your first slot, you've got uh, fan faves. Everybody loves them. Buffy and Spike. Oh, hey. Didn't expect haven't to see them, them here. Haven't seen that. Wow, yeah. Hmm. 
in slot two. Look at that lean. Look at that <laughs> intimate scan reading. If you know what I mean, it's Spike and Warren. Oh, a steady pulse, you might say. In slot three, are you ready? Some passion burns even brighter than the passion between two or more humans. Some passion is, uh, you know, on a deep cellular level, it's about like sustenance and usually like really need someone. And that's what I'm thinking about when I tell you that our slot three features Spike and his deep, passionate need for human blood when he thinks he can freely slurp it from the vein once more. And in the fourth slot, I hope you didn't already vote, people who jammed, fucking smashed that (laughs) poll button for slot number one. Because I have, we have, a wild card for you. A thruple of sorts. Mm. Uh, They do it the way only they can do it. Mm. This potential thruple, it's Spike, it's Buffy, and it's these rickety, rickety walls just Asking to be busted down. Oh, no. I'm a wall and I might just fall Oops. down. Oops. <laughs> oh, no. I'm condemned. <laughs> oh, no. Time for a full gut remodel. Oops. I've been a naughty, naughty wall. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So, hell yeah. Just go on over. Follow us on Twitter at BufferingCast. You can cast your vote for whatever slot and nom combination. I say that now. I own it. I've given up fighting love a slot i love a nom Woo! welcome the, to the dark side the poll, ah. the poll will be up for a week and you can uh cast your vote for whoever you think deserves the award wonderful job that has been your sexual attention awards now Kristen. yes jenny I would be remiss Mm. if I did not highlight for you in the wake of this fuck the house down scene, Mm -hmm. the auspicious season and episode number combination of this episode, which is season six. Oh, my God. Episode nine. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Or, Or as the Internet would say, nice. Nice. Um, okay, so the, in this uh, season six, episode nine, the house has been fucked near to down or down completely. And there's one last scene in the bronze that, um, you know, Amy and uh, Willow decide that they're they're bored. I would be bored, too. These are the most boring magic tricks you've ever done, ladies. Oh, my God. I'm bored. So, wow, so many sheep. <laughs> So they undo the magic they've done. Josie and her pussycats disappear. This is the band that is is a real. These are both real bands. Halo Friendlies uh, is the name of the lady band. And the sheep disappear. The dudes come out of their. The dudes notably come out of their cages and immediately start being assholes to uh, Bree and Bree's uh, alleged girlfriend. And. They are ruminating on what they can do that's that's bigger and better than the bronze. So we leave them there. Um, and I, I just think that it's important. This scene, first of all, this scene, like I remember when um, we had Alana on, Alana Bennett, and she was ta- like, there were there were certain things that we couldn't talk about because of spoilers. But like, I remember her specifically being like, this scene really made me confused about 
what it was to have sex. <laughs> just like, I, this was my <laughs> initial sex education and it fucked me up. I think that this is a scene that uh, exists in many people's brains as like, I was watching Buffy with my parents and then I got to this episode and I have never recovered. It's, it is very, I think that apart from Riley taking the boot off of Buffy, which was incredibly second most confounding sexual moment. (laughs) Yeah. I think there was the orgasm wall, you know, there's that, but, oh yeah. But this is, um, this is like a, dark sexiness that the show has not yet explored and there as you know from listening to this episode like there's there is so much like trauma going into this sex scene that it is problematic and it, there's so much and you know i i just want to say here that like we are going to do our best to explore this dark, sexy situation that is happening in responsible ways and also in ways of, like, remembering what it was like to watch this for the first time. Reflecting on on the fact that, you know, I- until this viewing of this episode for this podcast, I did not notice the really fucked up things that Spike says to Buffy at all. Oh, yeah. And very much experienced this episode as like, oh, fucking yeah, Spike and Buffy fuck the house down. And that that is there, right? There, I, I think that like... Hey. We're we are thinking humans. We can hold two realities, yes. two truths, yes, uh, that conflict with one another in our minds simultaneously. Can we not? We can, and I think like I think that that is what is complicated about talking about this and moving through this. This season in general is that like, you know, there is you can't undo the sexiness of the union of these two characters. But you mm-hmm. can explore the fucked up parts of it. And like and and to my point earlier of like what would have happened if Spike was not saying I'm the only one that you have and what would have happened if Spike wasn't sort of like following her in the cemetery, you know, like all these things, because I, there's a part of me that really believes that these two would have fucked this house down to feel mm. close to each other without it necessarily needing to be this manipulative situation but you can't you can't make spike not spike and you can't you know what i mean like he he is who he is and he's doing really fucked up shit um buffy is in a really yeah. fucked up place um and they fuck the house down and you know what mm. we have a lot of feelings about it we do we do so um wow wow as you would say, Jenny, wow, wow, wow. I'm always saying that. Luckily, my house is still standing. How's your house doing? Still standing for now, but, you know, <laughs> the second HGTV calls, <laughs> shit could get wild. <laughs> Open concept 2021. Hell yeah. Uh, who are you, Jenny? Should we end the episode? Is it the end, the end of the episode? I think it is the end, the end of the episode. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast, I am writing and recording all kinds of music. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'll tell you what, 
I have two new music things I just want to scream about for one second. I have a brand new EP called Echo Mountain that just came out. And my band, my quartet of four queer ladies, Hell a yeah. queertet, if you will, Ooh. called LAXs. We just released our first single uh, a couple weeks ago. It's called Temporary Goodbye. You can find it in all the digital streaming places. Uh, we are fun. Uh, we are a good time. Please join us, follow us, listen to the jam, uh, and there will be more to come in the near future. And some of what's to come will involve a certain dog. Uh, I know that a I lot know, of you I know about it. have expressed allegiance to. I know so, about it. Yeah, I know the dog. Uh, st- <laughs> get on board with us because there's exciting stuff coming. Okay, it's cool. like bye. LAX is, is a band that I like, and the song Temporary Goodbye is like, Jenny, can we play them a little bit of the song? Was that good? <laughs> that was very good. Okay, can we play them a tiny bit of the song of Temporary Goodbye here in the podcast? I, th- I think so. Okay, let's just like, just a taste. Yeah, just a taste. Just the first taste is free, and then the subsequent taste could also be free if you go to Spotify or your streaming <laughs> platform of choice. It's got a move. Temporary goodbye. Do, 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 wow, bye, that's really bye. good, Kristen. Thank you. I've well, just been we waiting. to open up a fifth slot. I, thank you. I've just been waiting to, for my offer letter to come through. Um, my name is Kristen Russo. Um, always available to be the fifth person in your quartet. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn about the work that I do with the LGBTQ community uh, at my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. N-O-E-L-I-N-E. I do speaking engagements uh, at workplaces, at schools, um, you know, wherever. And if you don't want me to speak at your school or your workplace, you can get me to speak on the internet for you anytime on my Twitter or my Instagram, all at Kristen Nolene. You can see pictures of my cats. Really, that's what's happening in those spaces. That's what's going on there. Great pics, great cats. Thank you. Thank you. They are. They're wonderful cats. Uh, where can they find us? Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast, or you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and you can support our work on Patreon. We would love it if you did. Uh, you can find all of that information at BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Uh, just click on Patreon to join our Patreon family. There's a Facebook group. There's music. Jenny's doing a concert in April. We've got behind yeah. the scenes once more with feelings. St- it's a it's a fun place. Yeah. There's a book club. It, there's literally something for everyone. Uh, you can also go to our store. We have a U.S. store and a U.K. store. You can find that by clicking shop on the website. Uh, we have tons of new stuff. Big fucking nerd merch is abundant and there for you if you are a big fucking nerd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, you could also write and review us on iTunes if you want. We would love it. We would. Mm. And, uh, you know, I guess that's it. I think that's all. So it's the time where I say, till next time. Ah, <gasps> uh, woo! Oh,
shaking, walls crumbling. I've been fighting so hard. I've been running so far. Trying to make this hunger go away. Try to kill the feeling. Somehow it just creeps in. Deepen into craving day by day. Can't let the walls come down. Let the walls come down. Can't let the walls come down. Let the walls come down. You've been going through some changes. Still running through your paces. We don't have to complicate it. A simple plan. We can make a little earthquake. Do it till the floors break. If you wanna make a mistake, I'm your man. Just let the walls come down. Let the walls come down. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.